Welcome to Ageless by Rescue. This podcast is devoted to exploring the science of rejuvenation, uncovering the most trusted experts, the must-have products, innovations, and technology in the field of vitality, aesthetics, new beauty, and cosmetic enhancement. Dr. Deb Cohen-Jones is a renowned general practitioner based in Perth, Australia, and the co-founder of The Secret Skincare. She is undoubtedly my go-to source for easy-to-understand content on women's health topics, and she joins me today to discuss the myths surrounding safe hormone replacement therapy. The conversation spans HRT, a new point of view on women's health, advancements in regenerative medicine, and prescription skincare. With over two decades of experience, Dr. Deb specializes in women's health, weight management, mental health, and dermatology. Her mission? To promote holistic patient care and well-being from the inside out. Our conversation is so important, especially for women who have avoided HRT due to a now debunked study that kept a generation of women away from potentially life-changing prescription hormone therapy. We discuss bioidentical versus prescription hormones, the role of estrogen in enhancing long-term skin beauty and overall wellness, plus the vital role of recurring functional testing. Our conversation is a deep dive into topics we truly wish our own GP had the time to answer for us, and it's such essential information to consider on your ageless journey. Dr. Deb Cohen-Jones, I cannot tell you how excited I am to have you on the podcast. I listen to your reels religiously. I learned so much just um, truly every time you speak, I I, I write down notes. Well, thank you. Because separate to being the co-founder of an incredible skincare brand, The Secret, you are a massive advocate for women's health and regenerative medicine. But with but you're walking your talk. And I think that that's really interesting for women to tune into. And, you know, I I thought to myself, I must have her on the show on a topic that I am really passionate about because I was super uneducated about it. And that is HRT and managing menopause. So we're not talking about uh, perimenopause. We're talking purely you've stopped menstruating. You are in menopause. What is HRT? Well, we actually now refer to it as MHT, which is menopause hormone therapy. So it was referred to as HRT. And I guess HRT refers to the perimenopause period as well as menopause, whereas menopause hormone therapy is specifically what you're wanting to talk about, which is postmenopausal. So um, menopause hormone therapy essentially refers to the replacement of hormones after cessation of your periods, after your menses. Um, And that refers to essentially the definition of menopause is one year after your last period. But any time around that time, when we start to replace hormones is menopause hormone therapy. Now, I've shared this story before, but it makes sense in the context of this conversation. I Mm -hmm. had my menopause without knowing about it. You you might think, well, what an idiot. But I I actually didn't know. I was going through an extremely stressful period of my life. I put it down to the stress of my life. Mm -hmm. And um, I'd experienced like rapid weight loss. I was super stressed. And I went to my doctor because my friends had an intervention. They said, you know, we're really worried about you. You're just fading away. 
went to a hormone doctor that my uh, aesthetic doctor referred me to at the blood test. And she said, you're well past. And I said, well past one. She goes, you've had your menopause. And I went, oh, no, no, I'm pretty sure I had a period. And anyway, I hadn't had a period for a year. But before that, I hadn't had a period for a year. Mm. So I'd maybe had one period in two years. Uh, And all my markers showed like a massive absence of estrogen. Um, And then what happened is she wanted to put me on uh, hormone therapy and I didn't want it because I was very, very concerned by Mm -hmm. a study that I had heard about all my life. My mum didn't have hormone replacement therapy. She was worried about it. And I was always told, no, 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 you just push through. Yeah, yeah. So that's the Women's Health Initiative study, which was completed early in 2002 because of what they saw as the adverse outcomes with regards to breast cancer and ischemic heart disease. And so women went from, I think, the statistic that I've found is 25% of women at that time were on hormone replacement therapy. And it dropped down to about 10% after that. There was huge media coverage about the study. Um, it widespread, real alarmist stuff. Yeah, where very much alarmist. Got to get off it. It's causing cancer. And that was when I actually first graduated from med school. So I graduated in 2003. So when I, um, I remember I was doing a cardiology term and they were like, oh, no, anyone on menopause hormone therapy has to stop. Um, and that carried through for my early years of training as well. And about five to 10 years later, people started to look into the study and say, hang on a second, I'm not sure this is actually correct. And what they actually went back and looked at is that it was only looking at women from 60 and above. Well, women from 60 and above have an increased risk of heart disease and breast cancer, irrespective of whether or not they're on hormone replacement therapy. And so now we've gone, oh, actually, yes, there are aspects of that that we need to look at. And I'll talk about that um, through the podcast. But essentially, it was hugely alarmist and vastly overstated. And as you've just said, we still haven't gone back to the same level of uptake and education around hormone therapy that we did have prior to the 2002 study. So still only 13% of women have hormone replacement therapy for the reasons that you validly had, which is, oh gosh, I heard all of this stuff. And so but I, I hadn't really heard it. I had not. It was just say it. It was yeah. this mystical shroud of negativity around it. Yeah. Um, Agreed. I don't have a sister. I, I didn't have friends who would talk about it. You know, it's it's really only just now that people are, uh, yeah. that women are speaking about menopause. I mean, it was totally the dirty word. No one would talk about it. I certainly didn't talk about it. I had it super early. I never and didn't even know about it. Yeah, I didn't. It just didn't occur to me. And then when I asked my mother, she goes, "Oh yeah, yeah, I had mine at forty six. We go early." Well, you might, you should have shared that little fact with me. Um, So there were, there was a whole generation of women who experienced menopause in the worst possible way. And even now it feels like the conversation is very much, and the solutions are very much about perimenopause. So the hot flashes, the, Mm. the mood swings, the weight gain, we're always talking about that period just before 
Yeah. But I'm really curious as to what is the modern approach um, to once you're there? Like what are the yeah. benefits? What are the options? Absolutely. So look, I think what we say, so menopause hormone therapy is very, very safe if initiated within 10 years of the menopause. Okay. After that, the safety profile does sort of change. And then you really have to look at the risks and benefits. But essentially, menopause hormone therapy has the very best evidence for treating all those symptoms, the vasomotor symptoms, the hot flushes, the vaginal dryness, the um, changes, brain, in fog. brain fog, memory concentration, mood <laughs> changes. Yes. I only went on yeah, it because I was about brain. That. Yes. So it's got the very best evidence for that. The risk of breast cancer only goes up after five years of use and it goes up such a tiny amount. So it's one in 8,000 women after five years, it goes up. So the same risk applies to women who drink two alcoholic drinks a day, women who are in the overweight range and women who don't ex exercise are actually about almost double that um, for breast cancer. So yes, the risk goes up a little bit and it is a calculated risk. For me, I do get my patients to, at that point, have more regular mammograms and ultrasounds to make sure that we are on top of screening. And you do have to assess the risk all the time while you're on the more, um, menopause hormone therapy. With regards to cardiovascular risk, it is beneficial for reducing cardiovascular risk for the first 10 years after initiation. After that, particularly after the age of 60, it's, it depends on your other risk factors and you might look at stopping it for that. It's extremely beneficial for bone density. So any women who have low bone density or osteoporosis, it's one of the most effective treatments for both of those conditions. So the benefits often outweigh any risks. The other thing is it reduces the risk of bowel cancer quite significantly. So the cancer, yeah, no, none of this is talked about. Another important thing is progesterone is actually the main risk factor for breast cancer. So the breast cancer risk goes up the longer you use hormone replacement therapy, but in particular with higher dose and particular types of progesterone. So it's not actually the estrogen that is usually the issue. It's more the progesterone, which is interesting. That's super interesting. I'm wondering if you could also explain there seems to be, so now that I am having conversations about menopause with, you know, women I trust, and I'm curious to see what their experience was. Firstly, uh, I started taking hormones well after my menopause, so maybe three years after. Yeah. And the reason I decided to take it is my doctor who had me on DHEA and regenerative medicine. So I take metformin, I take DHEA, uh, NMN, um, all those kind of anti-aging uh, regenerative medicine supplements. She said to me that if I really want to have that improved skin quality and firmness, mm. and also I am prone to pre-osteoporosis, so osteopenia, I think it's yeah, called. Osteopenia. Yeah. yeah. So uh, she tested me for that and uh, I take vitamin D injections as well as supplements. She said, the best thing you can do is start taking hormones because you're going to see a really great improvement in it 
So why don't you just take it for that? Because the hot flashes had stopped for me. My sleep was fine. The mood was fine. Um, And the DHEA seemed to kind of do its thing and I was feeling good. But I felt amazing once I started. Yeah. And look at your skin. I mean, it's amazing. You're glowing. You do not. And also the laxity is is really good. Like, so when I saw her, I was just starting to feel just that area Mm. get a little bit loose. And she said, no, that's going to be fantastic. You're going to get a great result from taking the hormones. Yes. But then there was the conversation of what hormones, because again, there's all this talk about biomimicking hormones. There's tablets that are pre-formulated. There's the troche, there's the cream, there's the gel. And doctors sit in very different ends of the spectrum as to what is the right thing to do. So I guess, firstly, the important thing for you to know and for all patients to know is if you're taking estrogen and you have a uterus, you have to have progesterone as well. And the reason for that is that unopposed estrogen can cause endometrial hyperplasia or thickening, which can cause precancerous changes in the endometrial lining, so increased risk of endometrial cancer. So it's really important for you to understand that. Now, the the progesterone component can be anything from a marina or progesterone um, tablets, progesterone creams. But yes, as you said, There are a myriad of options. Now, I'm probably a little bit on a different end of the spectrum with regards to the bioidentical and the natural therapies. Um, Essentially, the Australian Menopause Society and the North American Menopause Society do not recommend bioidentical hormones. And there's a really good reason for that. Um, I'm a real scientist at heart. Um, That leads into my skincare and the way that I practice medicine. And so specifically because for hormone replacement therapy therapy to be approved under the TGA or the FDA, there has to be a proven combination of both of those hormones to make sure that they oppose each other perfectly, okay? And as I mentioned before, too much progesterone or not enough progesterone increases your risk of either breast or endometrial cancer. And the problem with the bioidentical hormones is they're not regulated. They're not tested. They don't have to undergo those rigorous testing. And I think another really important thing for you to know and for all patients to know is all hormones are made in a lab. Even if they're bioidentical, they're still made in a lab. They're not kind of sourced from another human's body. And so there's no natural um, as such hormone. Now, there are certainly, and particularly more recently, newer forms of hormone replacement therapy, which are scientifically bioidentical, i.e. they contain estradiol and progesterone, which are the two hormones that your body has, okay? Interestingly, though, there's some forms of hormone replacement therapy. One of them is tibolone, which is not actually estrogen or progesterone. It just activates those receptors, produces the same effect, but as a result, has been sort of shown as to maybe have a less of a risk of breast cancer. So, yes, look, there's a myriad of choices. Topical is better if you're overweight, if you've got a past history of clots, if you've got liver disease, if you're a bit older. Um, topical can sometimes be better absorbed, but some women hate topical. Some of my patients are like, oh, the gel, and I'm putting four pumps and I have to stand there for hours getting, you know, letting it dry. I can't be bothered. The patches in summer when I'm going to the beach are a pain. It's such an individual choice. 
And I present all the options to my patients based on their risk profile and their lifestyle. And then we make a decision together. And look, you often don't settle on the first one that you try. Sometimes it is a bit of trial and error. You need to give it at least sort of two to three months to let your body adjust and work out what's happening and how it's affecting you. But yes, the choices are endless, almost overwhelming. Overwhelming, so, overwhelming. Yeah. And also, again, um, because there's that fear factor that kind of, I guess, the bio mimicking the natural option mm -hmm. seemed to kind of come into the vacuum of the fear factor that was generated from that false study. Yeah. Uh, it's really interesting because, uh, again, when you're presented with a lab option or a medical option, mm -hmm. Uh, there's this kind of cognitive dissonance. It's like, uh, well, if there's a natural version, why wouldn't I take that? So I, I love that definition and the explanation. The other thing I want to ask you is, which you brought up, uh, and I'm really grateful that you mentioned this because I think this is really key, is that it's hormones. So different people are going to react differently and it may take you one or two goes or possibly more uh, to find the right hormone replacement right. management program for you. And it's the same as when we were teens and God knows we were all handed the pill for, yes. for everything exactly. as the panacea yes. to everything. And, you know, I remember years of misery until I got the right one. Um, and then by then I wanted to have a baby. <laughs> so what the other thing is, your needs change over the time. So what 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 might be great for you at 50 might not be the right option at 55. So it's an evolving um, subject. And I make it my business to know exactly what the newest, best, or, you know, the, the options. And I present them to my patients every time they come in. Let's have a look at your hormone replacement therapy. Are you happy with it? Do you want to consider changing it? So I... One of the things that I found lacking in the traditional medical system uh, is the testing side of things yeah. and the option, the conversation around options. So I love my GP, great GP, never go to her. I just never go to her because yeah. she is a, a, a wonderful generalist mm -hmm. who doesn't have the time and I feel up-to-date um, resources mm -hmm. to give me options and advice that are going to future-proof the way that I'm caring for my body. So I have an aesthetic expert that manages the end-to-end -end of my skin. Mm -hmm. um, and then I have a hormone expert that manages yeah. the end-to-end -end of my regenerative medicine, uh, mm -hmm. my hormones. And just yesterday, I went and had my second blood test this year. Mm -hmm. I love uh, a blood test. Yes. Salivary tests are not accurate and should not be looked at at all. I do two or three blood, blood tests a year and, yeah. and we measure the levels um, every, and also the minerals of my absorption of uh, vitamins and everything. And I always advocate for a dashboard of health. I, I even sell pathology pathology tests on mm -hmm. the site via virtual clinic because my life changed once I understood what my internal dashboard was yeah. and I spent more money going to the hairdresser than I spent on finding out what was correct for my yeah. health and well-being so yeah. how do we have this conversation with our doctor look it's tricky because as you said mainstream medicine doesn't 
advocate for hormone tests because they vary so much on a day-to-day basis. Yes. I definitely, I personally do test hormones. Um, it's a private test, obviously, because it's not covered under the PBS unless you're early perimenopause. Um, and I do look at FSH levels and estradiol levels and your testosterone because I think it's quite important to look at if you're on hormone replacement therapy and your estradiol is pitiful, well, obviously it's an inadequate dose. However, there's very little medical evidence around what a normal range is when you're on hormone replacement therapy. So I kind of use a combination of the blood test and what patients are experiencing. Patient symptoms and symptom control are your best gauge for if something's working. If your patient feels so, but good. You're saying exactly what I'm saying is that you are a doctor who's absolutely invested in this part of medicine. And so yeah. your body of knowledge, a clinical knowledge is enormous because you're constantly running these tests. You're constantly yeah, having these conversations. Yeah. So you have this amazing body of knowledge in addition to the science and the research that's available mm-hmm. as a body of work. If you are going to your general uh, practitioner at your local uh, you know, uh, clinic, mm-hmm. Um, they mm. may not be across it in the same yeah. way. And so, and they might poo poo it. They'll, they might you know, poo it. And then you're playing yeah. Russian roulette with your endocrine system. Yeah. yeah. So, I think you actually do need to choose an expert, even if it's just as you do for that particular part of your health man- management, because um, I might, some of my colleagues that I work with are very old fashioned and would never advocate for any of the stuff that I do. So you do need to find the right person for you and a person who does take it upon themselves to educate themselves and read extra journal articles and order tests that are not Medicare rebatable, that are private tests, but that will add to the picture that you're able to interpret with your patient. So speaking of tests, I'm going to jump ahead to some of the questions that I had. What are some of the functional health tests that you really advocate in terms of understanding and having agency over your uh, well-being beyond menopause, um, you you know, your health, your longevity, your beauty. Are there some tests that are really cornerstone to your practice? I mean, look, I'm probably more mainstream when it comes to that. I definitely do do all the, the realm of, you know, full blood count, kidneys, liver, cholesterol, sugar, Vitamin D is really, really important. B12 and folate, iron, particularly in perimenopausal and postmenopausal women. And then looking at um, the hormone profile, extending it to looking at their androgens. I probably don't go into the zinc, copper, um, the more the minerals and that kind of thing, just because I, I haven't educated myself around those things. And so I don't feel... Um, expert enough to give advice around them. Certainly all women around menopause age should get their bone density checked. Um, All women should be really up to date with mammograms and smears and that kind of thing. Um, I listened to your excellent, excellent reel yesterday on the smears. smears. You know what? It was brilliant. It was just genius. I, I totally encourage you to listen to everything Dr. Deb is publishing because it's just so useful and I wish that you know I'm thrilled that there's someone like you to help educate me and I can refer my friends to it and that's what I'm trying to do with this podcast is bring on the experts that are making the science of longevity and beauty and wellness and being a a woman uh, easier to absorb 
but we stick to the science. Yes, yeah. And look, I think it's amazing that there's gorgeous, educated women like you doing this and having these conversations because, as you say, women are still ashamed to talk about menopause. Yeah. And then, you know, one of the things that I think women are really embarrassed or ashamed to talk about is the issues down there that come with menopause. So lack of libido, vaginal dryness, and then the urinary stuff. So because not only does your vagina atrophy associate when you go through menopause, so does your urethra and all of the tissue around it. And so you may end up experiencing more frequent urine infections, stress incontinence, urge incontinence, pain during sex, sometimes issues with your bowels. So it's such an intimate problem, but it's such a... Prevalent. Yes, prevalent and life-altering problem if you don't address it and manage it. I talk about uh, vaginal rejuvenation a lot on the mm-hmm. show and yeah. I love to have expert commentary on it. And and there's, and I want people to know that there are amazing devices and technology that are non-invasive. Yes. Uh, there's a whole gamut of things, but you don't need surgery. You, there are... There are so many advances in technology that your local clinic um, can support you with. Absolutely. It's life-changing. But I think what you said is the most important is that we need to know it's normal and it's a, just as your skin is going to have laxity, so Mm -hmm. are other parts of your body. Just as your organs are going to need a different kind of attention, this is an area that needs attention. And and you can have the full gamut of enjoyment and comfort and happiness if you yeah. attend to it. Yeah, yeah. And topical vaginal estrogen is a godsend for so many women. The v- vaginal estrogen pessaries literally can change women's lives. How often is can you use it? Is it safe to use? Because there's a lot of confusion about, I mean, I've I've read a lot, I've listened mm-hmm. to a lot, I've watched a lot on the benefits of using vaginal yeah. estrogen, but then how often is too often? No. So, so look, you need to use it every night for two weeks to really get the mucosa nice and plump and much more moisturized um, and turning over nice and quickly as it should be. So and then you're talking you- about it like it's skincare for the vagina. Oh, you just froze. Can you hear me now? Hello? Can you see me? Hello? Hello? Can... Hello? Are we on? Hello? Deb? Deb, can you, have you got me on the screen? Exactly. It's skincare. So you're talking about this like it's skincare for your vagina. And I like this. A hundred percent. It's skincare for your vagina. And because it's really minimally absorbed, as in even women who've had breast cancer often opt to use topical vaginal estrogen, there's a tiny bit of absorption and it's an individual choice that they will discuss with their oncologist, but it's so minimally absorbed that really I advocate for patients to use it ongoing forever. So I'm curious as to how much is too much. So if you're using estrogen topically mm-hmm. uh, as a cream. As in vaginally. Or, yes. Yes. yes, sorry. And then you're also ingesting it as part of your hormone therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, 
can you risk having an elevated uh, estrogen profile? Look, potentially, I guess you only do use the pessaries twice a week and it would be a bit of trial and error, really. I don't see, as I said, it's very minimally systemically absorbed. So I wouldn't have thought that it would cause excess estrogen. But if you did notice sore breasts or bloating or anything like that, then you would perhaps cut down on the use. As you as you rightly question, using systemic hormone replacement therapy, so either in a topical gel or patch or troche or um, tablets, does estrogenize the vagina as well. But sometimes adding a little bit of topical the local kind of is quite helpful. I mean, I'm the massive advocate. I have this conversation all the time. It's initially uncomfortable for people, but then it's like, well, if you, you know, we're we're teaching people to use skincare down their neck and to Mm -hmm. the decolletage. And I'm saying, you know, let's go all the way down and um, LED light therapy in the privacy of your own home. I had a great conversation uh, with uh, Dr. Simone Lubsha, who um, is the co-founder of Wellco, mm-hmm. and she advocates for her uh, clients to do a nudie bath, which is to get vitamin D directly on uh, all of their genitals yeah. and um, yeah. the parts that the sun doesn't see. And, uh, you know, they're these conversations that once you start to have them, you go, you know what, it's true. Like it's such a neglected area. Yes, 100%, 100%. And it kind of goes to the a question that I had about, you know, we're talking about some of the more mainstream questions that might come up in your clinical practice, but are there things that we need to know about menopause and, uh, you know, going down the path of using hormonal support that are uncomfortable for your patients to ask that you could perhaps like touch on now? So someone yeah. who's listening and perhaps a little bit embarrassed to ask, it might be about hair growth, funny hair growth or weight gain or as you were saying um, changes in their anatomy that they're awkward about yeah so look I think definitely unusual hair growth um you know hair on the on the face can be one of them what's that from that is just from an imbalance and potentially um sometimes your testosterone level versus your estrogen levels change at around that time and you you do often get huge spikes in some of the hormones so the the female hormones that inhibit that normally might drop and so your other hormones increase and thereby cause those those facial hairs um definitely the um cognitive stuff so women are embarrassed and don't want to talk about the fact that their memory is not working quite as well as that they don't feel quite as sharp as they might that they're forgetting things at work um so those kind of things and then the libido stuff for sure women are embarrassed don't want to talk about it importantly libido is linked to testosterone and there's only evidence for testosterone replacement with regards to libido. So the clinical studies and trials don't actually show that estrogen or progesterone help with libido. It's testosterone, which would need to be used separately, which is what helps with libido. So I think I'm getting my testosterone in my DHEA compound. Would that be correct? Well, is it does it specifically have testosterone or DHEA? I can't remember. I can't remember. Yeah. So it, it depends. Um, so you can use like a topical testosterone cream. I haven't been um, prescribed. And, yeah. So it's called Androfem. 
Um, and we have to monitor your testosterone because obviously you don't want to have too much and get a you know deep voice and you know hair hair recession and the things that men might have or acne but um that works really well for libido specifically testosterone dhea is an analog of testosterone but it's not specifically testosterone and it might not be converted quite as effectively as testosterone direct so does testosterone ever get mixed with hormone uh, management uh, it, it often does in yeah. yeah it often does in the bioidentical troche stuff the problem is that testosterone and estrogen convert to each other and so you have to be really careful that it's being opposed by the amount correct amount of progesterone so i personally use the commercially available HRT options, and there's hundreds of them. And then I add Androfem, which is the topical testosterone on top of that. So you're not um, doing a custom blend, you're using the commercially available. Yeah, Yeah. because they're clinically trialed and I know that they're not going to give my patients endometrial cancer or breast cancer. Got it. Now, one of the other things that's come up, and I had a conversation with a very close friend who, and because I had an experience that I didn't know what was going on, she had massive weight gain, massive weight gain in a really mm-hmm. short period of time when she first started uh, her hormone. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Is that so, yes. Unfortunately, weight gain postmenopausal is very common. Okay. You're, I sort of say your metabolism pretty much. So mine didn't. So I didn't have that experience. Yeah. But the vast majority of women start to hold on to fat a lot more and they hold on to fat in those horrible, you know, the um, abdominal fat that really is difficult to get rid of. I'm a huge advocate for using the GLPs, the the injections off-label, obviously, um, for treating that weight gain postmenopausally. I um, we're talking about um uh the glutide so semaglutide um there's new ones coming out yeah I know Um, there's going to be an explosion of new yes yes um obviously they're all used off label for weight loss in non-diabetics but I do definitely advocate for those so menopause um hormone therapy MHT which is what we now call I will remember to correcting. Yes. yes. So that can cause weight gain. If it's causing a lot of weight gain, you're on too high a dose. Right. Okay. So it, you know, a couple of kilos is normal. Massive weight gain is abnormal, and it's not. Yeah, I put on a couple of kilos, but I needed to put on a couple of kilos. So for me, it worked beautifully. It it suited me, but. For my friend, she just, I think she put on something like eight kilos in six weeks. It was shocking. But if women come to me saying, I'm menopausal and I've put on weight, I want hormone replacement therapy, I'm very clear with them. Hormone replacement therapy is not going to help your weight. It's going to help you in many other ways, but it doesn't have evidence for weight loss. And can you use a menopause hormonal therapy uh, adjacent to other um, weight management? Yeah, absolutely. And they're not contraindicated at all. I mean, look, it depends on what other medications you're on. Yes, yeah, but these two in particular. The the vast majority, no. It's perfectly fine to use both. Now, talking, going back to what you raised, which is a super interesting topic of its own, which is the brain fog, the memory, the cognitive sharpness, that uh, I think there are two times in your life where you really are just confounded by that loss. And one is after childbirth. Like in, yeah. when you're in the haze, um, 
I just remember wanting my brain back. Just all I prayed for was I want my brain to return to me. Um, And then uh, in menopause, so I I didn't know I was in menopause, but I do definitely remember my brain was mush Mm -hmm. at at that point. Um, Can we regain it? Absolutely. It's a transient thing as you do postpartum. Um, You have a period whereby your estrogen levels are through the roof and then plummeting and your brain receptors are a bit confused as to what's happening and they're not working as effectively and you've got prolactin from your breast milk and all of that kind of thing. So exactly the same in the postmenopausal or menopausal period, um, the hormones are all over the place and they are an integral part of neurological functioning. And so they will go off for a little bit. And look, to be honest, with or without hormone replacement therapy, it definitely does return to normal after a time. But menopause hormone therapy has, you know, there's lots of studies which talk about brain function and reducing dementia, um, delaying the onset of the atrophic changes in the brain that are normal with ageing. So there's definitely very good evidence for that. Now, your other passion is skincare and skin health. Yeah. So I would love to have a conversation with you as someone who really understands the physiology of skin and skin Mm -hmm. health and skin aging. And where does menopause hormone therapy uh, support skin health and optimal aging? And what about topical estrogen to the skin? Because that's going to be a big explosion. Yeah, yeah. Look, and it's not here yet. Um, certainly the discussions have been had um, with our um, compounding pharmacists and we are, you know, that will be explored. But essentially all the trials show after the onset of menopause, increase in number and depth of wrinkles, increased skin laxity, reduced skin hydration, loss of elastin. We know that the skin cells don't turn over as quickly as your metabolism declines postmenopausally. And that's how obviously the secret skincare, which is my skincare brand, targets or increases the rate of turnover of skin cells to get those beautiful plump baby cells to the surface. So with menopause, the skin turnover is much reduced. You get dullness, as I said, loss of elasticity, wrinkles. So using systemic hormone replacement therapy as evidenced by your amazing beautiful glowing skin has a huge effect um on the skin itself on on your whole body but I definitely think in the yeah I would say on the whole body and that's something I do want to actually the skin on my body is better yeah 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 yeah, absolutely you know women start to get those crinkly yeah I don't have yeah Yeah. any of that I mean I'm super sun safe like I always have been but I did notice an improvement once I, I started that, that generally my the skin of my body was improved. yeah, tone, increased tone, increased firmness. And, you know, the, all the layers of the skin are improved. It's not just the topical, the, the, um, the, the layer that we see, it's the layers beneath it that are turning over and rejuvenating much more quickly when we're on hormone replacement therapy. Can I ask you a silly question? A very non-scientific no silly question. Yeah. <laughs> um, does once you have had your menopause, mm-hmm. uh, does it get worse? So keep aging separate. So aging yeah. is aging. Yeah, you're aging. But do the symptoms of uh, menopause get worse? No, they usually get better. So okay. it's the loss of hormones that your body really notices. 
Um, and over over time, you'll get used to it. And that's why when you stop menopause hormone therapy, you go through menopause again. Oh, okay. Because you're withdrawing from hormones. Oh. So, <laughs> so women find it really hard to come off. And I've had most recently a gorgeous patient had was diagnosed with breast cancer. It was unrelated to her hormone therapy. Um, and she stopped immediately, obviously, when she was diagnosed went through this huge withdrawal. And she says to me, that was worse than the surgery and the chemotherapy for breast cancer. And as soon as she finished, she had a discussion with her oncologist and she said, I don't care if there's a tiny increased risk of recurrence. I will take that risk because I feel so awful off hormone replacement therapy. So unfortunately, whenever you stop, you're going to have those symptoms. And talk again, talking about the things that are kind of taboo and people don't really want to talk about, there is a, little, a lot of conversation around the mood swings during perimenopause. Mm -hmm. uh, and in particular, you know, there's the rage and the the big swings yeah. of uh, uh, emotion. What about uh, in menopause? Uh, does that taper out a bit, that wild fluctuation with or without menopause hormone therapy? I think, yes, it does. Um, obviously, menopause hormone therapy, because you're getting consistent dosing of the hormones, it tends to completely eradicate that if you're on the right one. Um, and certainly, if allowed to go through menopause, naturally the body eventually stabilizes to obviously an extremely low level of all of those hormones, but it's consistent. It's the hormone fluctuations, which is what produces those mood swings. So that's why women who um, struggle from PMS, it's because they've had a spike and then a huge drop that your mood is so dramatically affected. So essentially once everything's even and stable, that will stabilize. Again, I'm going to ask you a controversial question. You're coming at things from a very scientific, very medical background, mm -hmm. which I appreciate and um, I respect very much, Which and I like to have different voices on the show yes. because different paths are suitable for different people. And there's just uh, an explosion of supplements available in this space, in the perimenopause um, and the uh and the hormonal cycle phase and that's that's only going to get bigger and mm -hmm. um how does that work uh, adjacent to or in, instead of um uh science-led yeah i guess it depends on the supplement definitely like the natural hormone therapy as in like black cohosh vitamin e evening primrose they do have a little bit of evidence um, and I advocate for their use. And they're taking approved. Many of these yeah, supplements. Yeah. Approved. Yeah. yeah. Um, Remy Femin, there's lots of brands out there that are natural, available over the counter through a naturopath. Um, I, do you know what? Whatever works for you. If that works for you and you feel great, go for it. Mm. If it doesn't do any harm, I'm more than happy for my patients to trial it. Definitely taking supplements if you're deficient is very helpful. And most women, particularly women our age, we're so good with sun protection, we don't have enough vitamin D. We often alone vitamin B12 and iron. So supplements, collagen supplements is very controversial. It is um, controversial. It yeah. really is like, can I speak to, I can speak to you in the morning and someone else in the afternoon and have two different results. But I will say this, 
I've had um, scans uh, mm. that measure the collagen and um, hydration in my skin. And I've done experiments on myself with and without collagen. And yeah. for me, I have seen the evidence of collagen works for me. Taking yeah. oral supplementation of collagen really works for me. Yeah. And I, like I think we all, our guts are all different. What's absorbed through our guts? Any supplementation? Um, depends on the day not really oh, um, of anything so you're just a purist no, no I don't I measure my levels and if I'm deficient in b12 I'll have b12 injections I've had the NAC injections before which uh, to be honest I didn't notice a huge difference my every time I take a supplement my wee turns bright yellow and I'm like oh I'm just weeing it all out um, but I do have a really good well-balanced diet so my focus for me is getting everything through my diet um, and then measuring things to make sure I'm not deficient. I have tried some of the oral supplements for collagen. I personally didn't notice a huge difference, but lots of my patients swear by them and they're not going to do any harm. So I don't have a problem with um, certainly um, the secret has looked at it and talked about it, but we are very much medical evidence. And if there's not a clinical paper saying this actually works, we don't tend to embrace it. And given that you do have this great authority in skincare, if you were going to give some advice to someone who has really experienced a new skin since going uh, into menopause, are there some things that you can do that can help kind of regain that glow from a topical? Are there ingredients? Is there a, a, a program that you would recommend that, you know, I, I'm not asking you for a specific the secret yeah like from that point of view are there things that you think you know it's worth investigating it's worth investing in so obviously prescription skincare is going to change your life um prescription retinol prescription strength vitamin c kojic acid getting those dead skin cells off yes you're going to peel because those dead skin cells need to come off and there needs to be that beautiful glowy skin underneath None of the over-the-counter retail brands are going to give you that result. That's um, time to put every it's, it's not possible. <laughs> In terms of um, other treatments, I have recently had M-Face, which I love. Me too. Yeah, love that. Yeah, I, um, I got great I, results and that yeah, my scans told yeah. the story. It wasn't me saying, oh, it felt yes. great, it looked great. The scan said, yeah. wow. 100%, yeah. Um, Profilo is really, really good. Um, so so good, and then it's a hyaluronic acid, yeah, so exactly. it's a so it's just moisture, subdermal, yeah, exactly. So that's fantastic. And I pretty much for myself just do that, and then I use a home Omnilux mask. Um, and then I obviously, the face, the hands, the neck, yes, all of it. Yes. And years ago, I bought the big salon machine of Omnilux. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't, I don't use it anymore because the mask. You don't need to, yeah. And then obviously sun protection, sun protection, sun protection is everything, as you mentioned before. The Secret Solar Serum is my literal every single day go-to product. It's amazing and it gives you a really beautiful glow. So I think, as you point out, it's what you're putting inside your body, but there is a lot that you can do topically to enhance the appearance of your skin. It's a myriad of factors. Definitely there's some that they say work and they, you know, I don't know if they necessarily do. And so having people like yourself who go out and try all of them mm-hmm. is, is really, really helpful because it's an honest opinion. And I think women are desperate. 
they often, you know, they're just desperate to feel better about themselves. And so they might sign up or do things that don't work. So I think it's really important for women like you and you and myself who are educated, who are coming from it, from a, a scientific, but a general point of view to say, hey, this is out there. It works. Give it a bash. And I think there are a lot of things that do work, but to your point, and I really love that you made this distinction is it might not work for you. So it is important not to do what your best friend is doing, what our influencer is doing, or even what you and I are doing, yeah. uh, it, but, but to educate yourself and, and, and be open to the fact that you are, you know, a unique being and how you look and how you feel is a concert of things. And it's just worth being educated. And I, I hope so sincerely that this conversation with you, which has been so full of beautiful insights, deep research that you not only have researched, but you also practiced to many patients over the years, is going to help people who are perhaps sitting on the fence about whether or not they should try menopause hormone therapy. Yeah. And they, they're a little bit confused by what they mm -hmm. may have heard or read or seen or intuited uh, over the years yes. that they will consider having the, a conversation with a, an expert yeah no me too and I appreciate so much you giving me this platform because obviously I've got my little platform my Instagram um but to be um recognized by somebody like yourself and giving this opportunity has been really really fantastic I really appreciate it Dr. Deb Cohen-Jones it was absolutely a pleasure I truly recommend that you tune in to uh your uh, channel because your reels are super educational and also her fashion is flawless so it's mm -hmm. it's good fun as well <laughs> it was so good to have Bye. you on the show thank you again thank you. thank you for having me ageless by rescue is brought to you by rescue me academy reignite your relationship course love your relationship but miss the early days you're not alone this course will teach you how to identify your issues, stop the fighting, find what you need to be happy, re-spark intimacy, and keep the lines of communication open. Join us at rescuemeacademy.com.au to learn more about the program and to download your first free lesson. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you did, please share and rate this episode. I'd love that.